Hello and welcome to The Relationship Road Trip, a podcast about navigating the switchbacks and the roundabouts of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your host, your friend who doesn't have kids, and of course, your backseat driver. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, and parent wannabe, grandparent. No, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, voiceover artist, parent, and wannabe grandparent, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, expressive arts therapist, and amazing cat mom, your mechanic. And you, dear listener, are our drivers, our parents, our kids of parents. From car seats to college, you're behind the wheel. two quotes. Our first quote is very influential for Dr. Azevedo on his quest to become a parent and the way that he has chosen to parent over time. Treat a child as though he already is the person he's capable of becoming. Hayam Gano. Our second quote is by Bill Wilson. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. That's nice. Welcome to arc two of season two. Very exciting. So what are we going to talk about this time? Parenting. But this arc isn't going to be about how you parent a kid. It's about how do you as a parent survive parenting your kid. We covered some parenting topics back in season one. That's episodes nine through 14. If you want to go back and listen to those, those were primarily focused on the child side of the equation. This time we're focusing more on the parent side. So with that in mind, where should we start? Well, a great place to start is the pre-parent time period. So some folks dream about having a kid for a long time before they ever have them. I dreamt about having the two of you before I even met your mother. So I was about 16, 17 when I began imagining children and what it would be like to parent you and to have a family. And that was a major focus of my life. Did you ever have any nightmares? No, I never had any nightmares about parenting. Um, And then I was born. That makes one of us. (laughs) No, Kim, you're a night terror. (laughs) Fair enough. Not really. You're lovely. You're wonderful. But I had named both of you before I met Mama. And And then I didn't get my name. Well, that's true. So Kim was supposed to be named Yesha after a song done by the Pousset Dart Band a long time ago. But Mama said that's a little bit too much and Kimberly was much better. So there are a lot of expectations. I had expectations about who you would be and how our family would be and how I would be as a parent. And reality is always different, which is what Kim is pointing out. She was very different. Ben was kind of... Wait, but I was was exactly as you imagined and dreamed? No, you were more in line with it, though. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been in line with anything in my life. (laughs) And we became in line with you to help you discover who you wanted to be. 
which was a long and arduous journey. <laughs> We're still on that journey. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I don't know. You seem to have picked a career. And some people make that choice. And we were lucky enough to choose to have children, to agree to choose to have children, which is the first step. And then the second step is we were able to conceive and have kids. And not every couple has that, that particular blessing. And some people don't ever want to be parents, partly because of what they experienced from their parents and maybe partly just because of their own life choices. Any one of those is up to you. How you live your life is yours. But each choice is a decision, and any decision cuts off other opportunities. Some people don't have the choice either. Sure. Yeah, some people don't have the choice. For lots of different reasons, but some people don't, have, don't, get, don't even get to make the choice. The choice is taken away from them. Mm -hmm. Because so they I can't conceive wanna... or because they have genetic issues and they don't want to conceive. They don't want to pass on hereditary things. And, and then there are life choices where you say, no, I, just, I don't want the responsibility of raising a kid. All of those are absolutely fine choices to make in your life because it's your life. What kinds of choices do you need to make, not just for the kids, but more for yourself as a person and your partner or partners as, as adult humans that are now making this one huge choice that's going to define so much of your life? What's left for you to make choices about for yourself after that? Well, there are tons of things. But remember that the word decide comes from Latin, and it means to cut off. So a decision cuts off some opportunities while opening other opportunities. But that's literally what it translates to. D means off, and cidere means cut. Well, my whole life makes more sense now. <laughs> There you go. I'm glad that Don's old enough to have been around. In Latin, Latin times, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the ancient times. <laughs> I'm one of the last people that speaks Latin. I don't actually speak Latin, for those of you who will call up and start speaking to me in Latin. So you do still have choices for yourself, though. There are still things you can do, but some things you probably can't do. Things that perhaps were easy for you, like it, it was nothing before children to, for mom and I to go for a weekend someplace camping. Camping is relatively cheap. We could do it. And it was a spur of the moment event. Boom. You have kids and ain't nothing spur of the moment. <laughs> Takes a while to get the kids all piled up in car seats and get all their equipment together. And by the time you do all of that, you don't want to go. So... <laughs> So it, it does tend to, to limit some things and open up lots of other possibilities. Do you have any suggestions for things like managing friendships after you become a parent or, I mean, other, other stuff that's, that was part of your adult life and w will still be part of your adult life, but now you have this added factor of kids. Well, it does take mindful and intentional actions to maintain your friendships particularly with your friends who have not chosen to have children yet and who may be more free to make spontaneous plans where you need to make more thoughtful plans so that you have child coverage and those kinds of things so once you have kids you have to be very intentional about the friends that, that you maintain the connections with and how you maintain that connection taking into account their needs as well it also depends on how you're parenting are both parents working is one a stay-at-home mom or dad are you a single parent household all of those things play into what 
other choices might be available to you. Does that answer your question, Ben? Yeah, I think so. This is an interesting dynamic and like neither Ben nor I have kids. So I don't know what that's like. Don, you're the expert in this, seeing as you've done this. So I can hypothesize and I can imagine that it becomes much more stressful having to match a work day and a kid's school day or if a kid is sick and navigating that, especially in a household where two parent, where both parents are working or it's a single parent household. And I can reminisce about when I was a child, we always called you, Don, and it was always call twice because that was the emergency sign. And now I feel guilty anytime that I call you twice in a row because I'm like, oh no, it's not an emergency. I just accidentally hung up before I called. I remember those things. I remember her going into your work when we're sick because there wasn't another option. I just know the kids side of these things. Although that's valuable to the, the parents out there, the adults who are wondering what's the impact on my kid. So you are right. Well, remember that Kim is a night terror. So now the impact. <laughs> hey, I had a great time in the pillow room at PRC watching cats on repeat on a VHS. Yes, you loved the dance. And that was that was a blessing, right? Because I ran my own business. No one is going to question me that I bring my children in and that you're in this room. And I came and checked on you in between patients. And we had lunch together and all the rest of that stuff. That's a blessing because I ran the business. Now, that wouldn't have happened if I was working for someone else in a clinic. I may not have had that choice. I may have had to cancel my day and do something different. And a lot of parents have to do that. That's particularly pay for child care. Yeah, which is hard. Child care is super expensive. So there are lots of, of collateral choices people have to make when kids become part of their lives. And it's really stressful on a parent. Plus, you never know what your approach to parenting will do to your kid. And parents who are wanting to pay attention to that really struggle with, I lost it because I was stressed out. You guys talk about the one time I came in trying to get you to bed and you were being a pain in the butt and I slammed the wall. I slapped the wall and yelled at you. You've talked about I don't about remember that. this. I don't oh, you've remember talked about this. that in the past. But you've talked about it in family gatherings. I, I the no most mad I ever remember you getting at me, I was a teen and I, I was deliberately pushing your buttons and you threw a pillow at me. I tried really hard to manage my temper. I, I mean, you did because you threw a pillow. It wasn't, it didn't do anything. <laughs> I was once in a Prius with, with him and he yelled and I almost bailed out of the car <laughs> in traffic. It was the most terrifying experience. In any case, you used to talk about remembering that particular bedtime event. Um, I don't remember it. How old don't. were we? Oh, you were young. You might have been Maybe it traumatized you nine. more than it traumatized us. Well, you talked about it a bunch afterwards, so that maybe it did traumatize me more than it traumatized you. But in any case... Like, we talked about it when we were little? Yeah. Perhaps it did traumatize you more than it did us of a lot of parents might have that experience where you obviously still have this memory of it. Maybe we talked about it a lot when we were younger, but it seems like Ben and I both don't have this memory anymore and you do. And that seems to have shaped a lot for you, your experience of 
coming home being angry or frustrated. The ones that Ben and I have are, it sounds like from our teenage years and more about knowing that we did something to incite that than it sounds like you were feeling away and we were just being kids and you lashed out. So mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting insight for parents of recognizing that you might lash out and think that you have quote, quote, ruined your child when in fact they don't have the memory of it. You're holding on to that and being fearful or aware of that in a way that is changing the way you view it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I want to raise a point here since we are not yet out of this a pandemic here that something that came up over the past year, I, I feel like I heard it kind of repeatedly is in terms of work and being a parent that you really can't be a full-time parent and a full-time employee and be good at both of those things at the same time. You can be those things separately and be good at them, but not at the same time. And it's been interesting to see a variety of people I know cope with the realities of this pandemic. And that, that it doesn't matter how good a parent or how good an employee you are. It's simply impossible to be really, really good at both of those things at the same time. I just want to toss that into the mix, I guess. Well, sure. Yeah. Excellent point. And, and then to answer your question, no one would expect to be a top-notch physician practicing medicine daily and a top-notch attorney simultaneously. And that's what you're asking of a parent. It is a full-time job. Yeah. And at best, we do it part-time because we farm out some of that to schools and to other people who take care of our children. And there's nothing wrong with that because kids actually need that village of people, those differences in, in how they interact with folks to, to grow well in the world. But it is a full-time job. And you wouldn't expect yourself to have two different professions and do them both simultaneously well. Yeah, at 100% capacity. Right. Now, all the physicians who are also attorneys will call me up and say, you know, rah, 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 rah. Hey, <laughs> but I can do it. They do it. They do it serially. Right. So they're an attorney this time and then they're a physician that time or anything else. You could be an auto mechanic and, and a machinist. And those are, are similar professions, but different. So you can't do two professions simultaneously super well. Yeah. Well, and I also imagine that it's really hard to maintain your profession, be a good parent, and also manage your own hobbies and interests. Yes. And that's actually one of the, the biggest perils for parents, for the, for the adult in this equation, is they lose themselves. They don't take enough care of themselves doing things that are interesting to them that recharge their batteries so that they are better parents and employees. And you need that. You need enough time to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your kids well, so that you can do your job well. So how did you balance that? I mean, I know you kind of had a little bit of luck in that Ben was really into uh, piano. And so you guys engaged in that together. You and I liked to cook together. And I know that's another hobby and interest of yours. And I know we did a lot of activities together. So we did the formerly known as Indian princesses and Indian guides, now Y guides, and several other things. You were active in marching band. But as far as your personal interests, how did you 
do those while balancing parenting us? Well, you point out a, a great luck that I experienced. Both of you actually were into music in different ways. Ben was into the production of music. You were into dance, but it was all musically bound, right? And, and I went to many dance competitions for you as well as recitals and that kind of thing. Is, and with you, Ben, performances and then marching band and all the rest of that stuff. And because that's a, that is a hobby of mine and, and remains a hobby of mine, that was really lucky. And that fed me really well. And then we I, cooked and that extra fed you. <laughs> yeah, that fed me too much. <laughs> not good for my health. Good for my health and not good for my health. So that was another serendipity in that, to some degree, both of you were into cooking. More you, Kim. Ben, ben couldn't you. make a frozen pizza. That's okay. not fair. We're not going to have that. That's a low blow, and not, it's not true. We're not going to have that argument on this podcast. So those were serendipitous, but I did give up woodworking which was a, a hobby of mine uh, before you all came along, but there was no way to fit that in. It is a very time-consuming process. Do um, you feel like you, as I was thinking about it, as Kim was talking about it, you sort of aligned your hobbies and interests in some ways. Some of them were already, as you've said, aligned, but some of them you sort of picked up. I like being a band parent. Yeah. I mean... That doesn't have that much to do with music, but it is supporting the hobbies that we had. And you've said before, you got joy out of doing that. Mm -hmm. So you kind of developed hobbies or interests or even friend groups that adapted or, or were alongside the things that we were pursuing. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a choice I guess you made. Like you wouldn't have to make that choice. You could have chosen instead to let us do our thing and support us, but be like, I'm not going to get that involved. Like I will support this, but while they're off doing marching band stuff, I'm going to go woodwork. Yes. That, that is a valid choice. I don't think that would have made you like a worse father. Correct. Maybe it would have, I don't know. So no, no, I don't think it would have made me a worse father because you guys would have been doing what you enjoy and you were surrounded by people who were taking care of you and you were right. safe and doing all that stuff. So no, I don't think it would make me any less of a father. I yeah. can tell you why I chose to be an active band parent. I chose that because who doesn't love band camp? I really chose that because I knew I really only had 18 years with you. And then you would go off and create your own lives. And I would not have as much of your time. So, and then you would lasso us right on back just ensnare Kim in a business and rope me into this ridiculous podcast. And here we are more than 18 years later, just at your beck and call, hanging out all the time. Well, well I got lucky. Also, <laughs> I don't think mama would have not let you come to band camp after I smashed my teeth out that first year. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Busted my ankle, smashed my teeth out, all the problems. Yes. Kim, yes. Kim is accident prone. Less she now. Is. Thank you. But those are, again, those are choices and intentionality in the process that are hard to make. I am blessed that I got to make those. I didn't have to work two jobs. I didn't have to barely make ends meet or not be able to pay for the band fees or other things that many other families struggled with. So that's a blessing. And there are sacrifices. I did not do as many things as I would have wanted to do for myself. 
right? I don't mind. Yeah. The idea of, as a parent, adapting to your child's interests and not necessarily just doing everything that they want to do, but finding the, the common ground and shifting your own interests and hobbies to align with what your child is exploring seems like a good way to keep some of your own personality involved and still be able to be very present for your child. So what do you do when you have very different children or how did you Papa as a parent deal with the differences between Kim and I, as we developed (laughs) as best I could. That's a great answer though. That's a good answer for any parent out there. Here's a, here's a, 30 some year experienced PhD in, in marriage and family psychology saying he did, he did as best as he could do. And that's just it. Well, because a whole lot of it is discovering who you all want to be. That quote that Kim gave at the beginning by Haim Gano was a pivotal point for me in understanding that it is a privilege to raise children, not an ownership thing and to help you discover who you want to be is a hard process. So Ben, you were easier. You were much more a linear path around music, the saxophone. There was a very linear path for you through everything. Kim was a more circuitous route. She, she was a mountain switchback, constantly climbing and going back and forth between lots of different things and, and having a hard time discovering who she was in the moment and wanted to be in the future. Nonetheless, it was a great trip helping you discover all of that and and laughing uproariously when you decided to become what you had said you would never be. (laughs) Oh, man. My poor academic advisor was like, do we need to call someone? Is he breathing? He's just laughing too much. (laughs) So there are differences. And with Kim, I had to stand farther back because she needed to find her path. And with you, Ben, I could be right up there with you slogging through what you wanted to do. And that was interesting. That was an interesting dynamic. I also had the the support of your mother. I wasn't a single parent. I wasn't doing this by myself. I wasn't doing this only with my own intelligence. I had her intelligence to... Yeah, I mean, brief Janice appreciation. She's not on this episode, but she was obviously a very important part of everything we're talking about. Well, and I was even pausing to reflect on what was mama's experience of managing her own hobbies and interests while we were growing up? Because, I mean, she was a teacher, so a lot of her life was spent doing the teacher things that go well beyond the end of the school day, which is why so many of our stories here are adventures and things that we did with you, Papa. Because I remember a lot of things being like, Mama needs to do schoolwork. Mama needs to do all of these things that are unfortunate side effects of her job. That's interesting. I always think of it as Mama did the majority of the day-to-day just caretaking of us as a whole family, honestly, because Papa's hours were much longer. So yeah, she had after hours school stuff to do, but she did the vast majority, in my experience, of the getting dinner on the table every day, getting us prepped. I mean, you you all both did like lunches and stuff, but getting us out the door for school, that kind of stuff. Well, that still doesn't answer the management of her own hobbies. So I guess I actually, I I had a thought about that too. Obviously I can't speak for 
mama, but she has such a passion for children that is her work. And sometimes I'm amazed as I watch her interact with some of my friends, kids and stuff. And I'm like, she just never stops being the teacher that she is. It's always on just constantly there. And it just transitions seamlessly from, (laughs) from work to, to personal life, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing or how she would feel or say about that. But that's kind of what I've observed. I, I think she would agree with you. And Mama's one of Mama's main hobbies was art. And so one of the activities that she did with you all constantly. Yeah, it's always art. Was it's art. True. Arts yeah. and crafts and, and different kinds of things. She loved sewing. So she sewed some of your clothes. We then did you got sew into a lot sewing. of doll clothes together. Yeah. We discovered that in that box that one day. <laughs> yeah. So so there's that's another alignment right? Mm-hmm. If you had not liked doing art, if that had been something that you hated, that would have been difficult to manage. But both of you enjoyed playing around with it. And to some extent, some of these alignments happen regardless, especially with younger kids. Because if you're a parent, an adult doing a thing, doesn't even really matter what, what kid in the world isn't going to toddle over and be like, what's going on? What are you doing? And so at least for some amount of childhood, there's kind of an innate interest in what your parents are doing and participating in that. Now that changes over time and you're, you're absolutely right, Don, about the ways that you and mama adapted to our interests, but there's also some from the other side, it's a kind of part of creating the cohesive family, I guess. Yeah. And that's a joint process. All the yeah. members of the family have to be willing to, to create that community. That's not always the case. I mean, you have kids who want to pull away early. You have parents who don't create the space for the kid to be themselves. So they feel alienated to begin with. Or um, don't want to share the thing that they're doing. Sure. Or a parent gets perseverative. Like both of you took piano lessons. And there are families where it's like, you're going to take piano lessons until you leave my house. And although we encouraged you to take the piano lessons, when both of you said, hey, I've had enough of this, we let go. Same thing with sports. We wanted you in something, you picked soccer. And when both of you said at the points where you said, this is not for me, we let go. And that's the difference between a parent imposing themselves on who the child is becoming and a parent that is following the child as they become something else. Kim, do you have any other thoughts? I'm just reflecting on our childhood. It was pretty good. And yeah, I mean, it Wouldn't was... do again. <laughs> 10 out of 10. I was a challenging child. I think we've pretty well established this. And I am reflecting on just the differences between Ben and I and remembering like after school experiences and just kind of the dynamics of it all. And it's weird to think about it now as a young adult of like 10 years ago, I was 18. So I was a freshman in college. And even that transition was weird and felt way different than when Ben left for college. And it was in the sense that you and mama then became empty nesters. Right. So like there was just a different vibe when I was leaving, which was interesting. And then also 
just the way Ben and I approach the world is very different and definitely was way different when I was in middle school and high school, which is my terror years, really. I don't think I was too much of a terror in elementary school. You were a sweetheart. Yeah. Middle school happened. I think it's interesting that despite our differences, we are fairly close as siblings. Definitely. Where a lot of siblings maybe are more similar than us, but aren't very close. Right. (laughs) Which is probably a result of sort of the efforts of mama and papa and creating a cohesive family unit. But I don't know. You and I never, I don't feel like we had a lot of recurring arguments, if that makes sense. Not that I remember at least. A lot of your tension, Kim, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong, was with our parents, not with me. Well, and mostly it was with mama. And I was just off on the side. Yeah. Being a good boy. Yes. And following all of the rules. Yep. Questioning them frequently, but following them regardless. And we can debate the merits of that. You look at the typecasting of your first, second, middle, all of that type of child. And I mean, I was a pretty solid second child character of just fighting against the rules, trying to challenge the family dynamic. Thinking you had to be wherever Ben already was developmentally. Yes. There was a lot of that. Yes. That was Even though I feel like for my part, I, I did not apply any pressure to you no, on that. This was I all was always internal like, why pressure. are you so worried about this? You need to like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this was all internal pressure, non-existent expectations from our parents. So I put my expectations of myself on our parents and then got upset with them because I perceived them as expecting more of me than I was capable of doing. Um, yep. There it is. <laughs> and if I had been able wow. to say that when I was a child, wow, our relationship might have been really different. <laughs> but I had it, no clue how to say that. And it was wonderful anyway. I mean, I Right. I do and remember. everything turned out good anyway. I think sure. this is another great learning point for our audience. Like, <laughs> everything is good anyway. That's right. True. Although we I do remember it. Kim was really angry with us that we would not get angry with her about changing her hair color. She thought that was super defiant and was like, yeah, whatever. You want to shave your head? Go ahead. It's blue now. (laughs) But it was, it's a way, sometimes kids need to express their difference from the family and giving them that opportunity is important as long as it's not dangerous. Um, And despite common belief, dyeing your hair is not that dangerous as long as you don't eat the dye. (laughs) Or the hair. Or the hair. Like as far as rebellious child syndrome, which is what I'm calling myself, there were far more dangerous or more damaging activities that I could have done. And I did explore. I just didn't do it than just wanting to cut my hair or dye my hair. I was very frustrated that the compromise ended up being that I could get highlights of natural colors and I wasn't allowed to dye my hair neon red or blue. I There was a lot to our childhood that I think is beneficial to listeners in that we clearly still have a very close relationship with our parents and a very close family dynamic. So recognizing that, yeah, even all of these fights and I have many memories of standing on opposing ends of the kitchen with mama and just screaming and then stomping up the stairs. So now our stairs creak 
which is I remember great. this too. Yeah. Except that I was just somewhere else in the house going, why are they yelling at each other? I don't understand what's happening. Yep. Just recognizing that the the parenting of it was very different. Ben and I were very different children in how we behaved and that we were still able to create that cohesiveness. It wasn't always smooth sailing and easy parenting. I definitely made sure of that. Somebody I was talking to said something interesting about his kids who are like young school, like elementary school age, I guess. And he was saying, talking about the pandemic again, how it wears on kids, same as it wears on adults. And we're all tired of it. And he was like, they were just being really mean this past week. They were just being mean to us. And we had to sit down and have a family meeting and say, it's fine that you feel bad and you should express that, but you can't just be mean to us. That's not okay. And it's even with younger kids like that, being able to express, hey, it's okay that you're angry and you should tell us that and we should talk about it, but you can't just yell mean things at your mom. That's not part of our family. That's not what we're trying to do as a family. And you want to be part of this family, you need to respect that. Yep. And you might have to share that message a lot because some of us thick-headed children never really got it through Mm -hmm. particularly quickly. That's true. And that's teaching emotion regulation. So your friends get a big high five from me because that's that's the way to do it. it. No shaming about the emotion and responsibility for how you express your emotion. Yeah. That's why it stuck out to me. I was like, this is a very good, very good parenting by my unofficial book. There you go. The backseat driving book of parenting by Ben. (laughs) Well, and you know, it, whatever choice you make as adults about whether or not you have children and how you raise them, all of those belong to you and recognize that, It is a hefty undertaking. It is an incredible privilege and responsibility. So when you choose it, you have to be ready to give it your full attention. It needs to rise up in the priorities so that you're doing it well and you're doing it in a way that's meaningful for you too. It's an extraordinary ride. I would, I am so pleased that I had the opportunity to do it and to enjoy discovering who the two of you are becoming. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So Papa rates parenting 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, probably 11 would do out again. of 10. I would do again, yes. <laughs> Were those your closing high-level thoughts? I think that's what it was. Okay, it felt like a good spot. Today we talked about the transition from being an individual to being a parent. Every choice you make removes options, but adds new and different opportunities. And choosing or not choosing to have kids is a big example of that. Hopefully for those of you who have kids or are thinking about having kids, you heard something helpful. We also talked about our personal experiences in our family and the ways that things changed and evolved as Kim and I got older. Thanks as always for listening. And until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com 
or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Thank you.